Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Watchman. We're sounding the alarm for the peril and uncertainty that lie ahead. Our commitment is for the objective truth, and The Watchman will call out whenever we see those that live in the fifth dimension attempt to put feelings and emotions in front of facts and truth. We'll be calling out the real motives of those living in the land of the unlimited imagination. We're going to expound on the underreported facts. Today, we're going to un- expand on those underreported facts with Rick Crump. Rick is a management consultant by trade with his own firm called Kinetic Experience, helping Fortune 500 companies solve complex business problems. He's been married for 29 years, has four grown-up boys. He and his wife, Tammy, founded Kinetic Faith to equip and mobilize a church to help and turn around the moral decay of our society. We're also back with Annette Baker. She took a week off last week. We missed her. Annette is a homeschool teacher, environmental science expert, and she's also a region chairwoman of the Berks Republican Committee. Welcome back to The Watchman, folks. Great to be Thank here. You. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, thanks for being back. I uh, wanted to get a little bit into what's going on uh, with the Democrat gloom and doom debate. I mean, what wasn't talked about, what's really interesting on this, as we see, uh, again, if there was anything the Democrats had on Trump, the entire debate would have been would have been lost. We talked a little bit about, we were talking about the impeachment folly on the point. Well, when the Democrats had their debate, they didn't really get into this because they knew there wasn't anything on them. I thought that was a compelling point. Instead, they just got into their communist ideas, the socialist ideas, you know, health care for everybody, doctors for no one, stuff like that. But instead, after a few perfunctory questions, the debate went on to the, to the, to the Marxism they all believe in. That's what they went back to, okay? So they got into their, their impeachment talk a little bit, but it was, it was insignificant, which leads me to believe that they themselves know that this was a loser form. But what were they not talking about? See, they weren't talking about the economy. They weren't talking about the stock market. They weren't talking about increasing salaries. They weren't talking about the war on terror. Or they were not talking also about securing borders. They weren't talking about how to further expand the middle class in the economy. <clears throat> they weren't talking about the China trade deal, or the U.S.-Mexican trade deal. I mean, I mean, here we are, 75 days out of the Iowa caucus. And I remember back in 2015, we all felt the undercurrent for Trump. And in 07, I think we also we also were concerned because we felt the undercurrent for Barack Hussein Obama. But you could feel the excitement for the candidates. Well, today there's no excitement for any of these people. There's nothing there. There's no one standing in line to feel what Medicare for all feels like, okay? And doctors for no plan, no for no one plan. There's no excitement with a plan to pay people for not working for reparations. There's no excitement for any of that. Because their bad ideas are being paraded by crazy candidates, and this is, it's being very apparent. I mean, nobody's watching the debates. Um, Annette, what are your thoughts on the debate and what the debate did not cover? What are your thoughts on that, Annette? There was a debate. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just couldn't resist. Um, yeah, you know, it's just astounding to me. It, it's amazing that here we are. Um, you know, looking at, at the, the Iowa caucuses coming up, and it seems like everybody is just running. The Democrats are running around with, you know, like their hands in the air, crying chicken little, everything is falling apart. And meanwhile, you're right. You know, USMCA is, is waiting to be passed. Farmers need that. The economy needs that to be taken care of. And Nancy Pelosi and company are just more 
focused on this impeachment stuff and everything else that's going on. They, it, there's no plan from the Democrats. Right. There is nothing. There is no way to move this country forward. They don't have a, a coherent plan out there that does something other than get the bad orange guy, haired dude. You know, they just that's all, that's really what they want to do is, you know, orange man bad. And that's that's all it is. And what's really sad is, you know, there's a couple of reports out that I just saw that insurance premiums are skyrocketing again. Didn't ACA wasn't that supposed to cover that and make sure that that doesn't happen anymore? I mean, it's incredible to talk to people when when I first told people that we had a ten thousand five hundred dollar per year, family deductible. People were astonished. They were like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. How, how can it be that high? That's, I never heard of anyone else having one that high. Now when I tell people that, they're like, yeah, my, our company, they just did the same thing. We're up to $10,500 per, you know, per family. Now that's becoming the norm. And, and the prices that they said it was going to stop the skyrocketing, it's not stopping. And you don't hear the Democrats talking about anything other than Medicare for all, which is failing. It doesn't, it does not work. And socialist medicine does not work. Talk to the people in Canada and, and Europe and they will tell you something, you know, they'll tell you the truth about how poorly their system works for taking care of people that need medical attention. Well, I'm, I'm going to suggest the Unaffordable Care Act is doctors for no one, and that's why it wasn't popular. People were forced to give up their doctor. But, I mean, they, they have promised punishments. They're not talking about the economy, the stock market being at all-time highs, the, the, the jobless rates being all-time lows, the employed rates being at all-time highs. I mean, they don't want to get into any of that. They, they don't want to talk about that, the increasing salaries, things like that. And I think what's compelling in all this, Rick, is that because they're not talking about it, they, they think by, by the omission of these facts that the public – is going to be listening more to their Marxist idea and maybe being sold on it. Do you think that the public isn't being sold on this Marxist idea because it's, well, they're not communicating it clearly, Rick, or because maybe they are communicating it clearly, Rick? Well, they're clearly trying to um, appeal to the very um, end of the bell curve in their, on the left, uh, clearly within uh, a radical left base that is sure to show up for them no matter what they're they've decided to go all the way there and appeal to that radical left wing now fortunately that seems to be becoming the norm uh, I, I have friends who are democrats who are very worried about what's going on right now they, they tend to be liberals not leftists they're more like a kennedy liberal you could say and they're very concerned about what's going on in their party uh, there was a there was a hilarious article last week in babylon b uh for those of your listeners that don't babylon b is like a satirical news site with a Christian perspective. And the article said uh, the headline was Democratic candidates clash over most effective way to destroy a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it really did capture the essence of what's going on on that stage. Uh, I think the other thing is, that's going on that, that Bernie finally called out is impeachment is hurting them on the stage because the, all the focus in the news is on Trump, 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 and they're, and they're being forced to respond to it on the stage when they're trying to differentiate between each other. And Bernie finally said, you know, last week, he said, we have to talk about something more than Trump because he did. It's just like the first time when he was winning the nomination, um, he stole the stage and he just kept the spotlight on himself 
and he and he ran the ticket. Uh, you know, he, he he just ran it the way he wanted to, and just knocked off his opponents one by one. He's essentially doing the same with Democrats on their own stage, right? He's stealing their show again. So they have a lot of problems. But, but I think one of the biggest challenges they have, though, is you know with with Bloomberg entering the race today. Right. You have this challenge now of uh, you know you've got a, a crowded field with big egos still. You got Bloomberg entering now. How do they avoid? more debates that, that surely they're going to have a hard time explaining why Bloomberg can't be there and yet successfully narrow the field. They've got to narrow the field with more debates. They're, they're, they're running into problems where the debates aren't being watched. They're Trump stealing the stage. How do you handle Bloomberg? Because now Bloomberg's not going to meet the technical qualifications, but people are going to want to hear from him. Heck, the reason he got into the thing in the first place is because it's really an admission of how weak the field is. They've got some serious problems with, the, with, with this, this election. Well, that couldn't they, happen to a greater, nicer group of people, by the way. <laughs> well, I think uh, Val Patrick uh, saw that he had no excitement when he had uh, two people show up, then he had to cancel his his uh, his event. Uh, what's yep. amazing? I mean, these people can't draw flies. I mean, I, it, it, I'm just I'm just amazed because there is no excitement with these people, none, zero, and they're concerned. And I think what they're looking at, they were, I want to talk a little bit about the courts flipping because I think what's really compelling in all this is that the courts are fl- are flipping here. Trump's flipping the courts. And this has always been the battleground that they always took seriously, but I think too many of the majority of Americans did not. So, you know, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, which is in the South, just flipped along with the second court, which is New England area, North, it's New York area, or something like that. They just, it just flipped as well. The, these, these are the courts that decide 99% of the cases. And again, the impact is incredible. This is the real battleground. You see, this is where these activists have been winning. You see, they don't win elections when they're exposed as the leftists they are. This is what we're seeing right now because they're getting a lot of the news right now. And as Annette said, no one's watching them. There was a debate. Uh, you know, they, they can't they can't get this fifth dimensional policies in place that way. They can't do it. So what they do is all they have are lawsuits that go before these courts and these for, you know, which are which are appointed uh, these activists were judges, which were appointed by liberal presidents. So they appoint these fifth dimensional judges to rule in favor of these activists and whatnot. And so Obama, Obama had over 145 openings left for Trump to fill, and now we have turnover in addition to this. So, folks, with the Florida State Senate, I should say the Florida U.S. Senate and Georgia U.S. Senate seats, they went to the GOP. They poured absolute hundreds of millions of dollars in those races because they needed to flip the, the Senate and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Okay, the Republicans held on to them in 2018. So the Republicans gained seats again in the Senate, which is in charge of approving the, the president's judicial appointments. This is why so much money, again, was poured into this. And I believe, I think there's like 179 justices on 13 appellate courts. Trump's appointed almost 50 of these judges. When you combine that with the other Republican appointments, it makes 98 of the 179 circuit court justices appointed by Republicans. That's huge. Seven of the 13 courts now have a majority of Republican appointments. Another huge development is that the Ninth Circuit Court, which was a leftist ruling juggernaut for years, for the last 40 years, has two more vacancies to fill, which Trump will fill likely that'll give him 10 appointments on that court oh my word this is going to almost flip the ninth circuit court 
by giving Trump 35% of all the justices on the Ninth Circuit Court to be Trump appointments in a total of 13 total appointments um, with the Republicans' appointments. And that's of, of 29 justices. So it's not going to quite flip it, but it'll make it a whole lot more rational. And I think, but it does, again, it changes everything. Trump's nominated two Supreme Court justices, 48 appellate court justices, 112 district court justices. Now, there are nearly 100 additional vacancies on the district courts, which will bring Trump district court appointments to like 212, 215 or so. Now, Republicans, when that happens, will have appointed five. Well, they'll, 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 they'll be appointing a, more than half of all the district court judges, more than half of the appellate court judges, and, of course, more than half of the Supreme Court justices. Now, that's pretty interesting because, again, when all these vacancies are filled, we're going to see these courts that are made up of Republican appointments, and that's what's going to change these courts. That's what's got these people apoplectic. That's what's got them apoplectic because they see they're losing this battle, Annette. I mean, Annette, what are your thoughts on the court and some of these decisions that are coming before the court, like DACA and these other decisions that are coming out? I mean, they know this is happening. They see this slipping before their eyes. What do you think, Annette? Yeah, I think that's why we're seeing um, such an uptick in the demands being leveled by Democrats. And and I'm talking in all levels of of the Democrat Party. Um, They're they're realizing that they're at the very end of their ability to sway what's going on. And and I think, you know, we, we saw that here in Berks County with the um, elections that just happened um, there, there's huge tide change that's happening, I think in the County, which is, is a great um, thing to see. And I think that they're beginning to understand that the American people are waking up and that's their biggest fear. Um, You know, I think that uh, the idea of having people actually awake and understanding what's going on. And Rick, I think you, you alluded, alluded to the fact in the in our uh, other show about <clears throat> the idea that independents are, are the thinkers. Um, they're the people that are willing to take a look at information and digest it and then decide, make decisions based on uh, that information. And I think that's the Democrats' biggest fear is that people are starting to actually listen, pay attention, and change the way they think. Um, and I've mentioned this before. When I have my parents, um, both my my parents that live in Vermont and my mother-in-law that uh, lives down in the area where we live uh, here in Pennsylvania, when they are talking about as diehard Democrats, when they are talking about um, changing their votes to vote for President Trump next November, that is a big change. Um, and, and that is just one of many. I mean, there's so many walkaway videos. They're coming every day. I get notifications about the walkaway movement, people that are leaving the Democrat Party and refusing to vote Democrat again, which bodes well for the, the election coming up. I think it's going to be a very interesting time. Um, I'm hoping we flip back the House and get an even bigger majority um, with with regaining the House and a, and a larger majority in the Senate, and of course the president getting reelected, um, I think we're going to see a lot more uh, upheaval in some ways because the Democrats are really going to realize that they're on the ropes 
Um, and they're going to be the, you know, the kind of the junkyard yard dog that's been backed into a corner. Um, unfortunately, I think that's what we're, we're looking at coming down the road, but hopefully cooler heads will prevail and people will just say, look, you know, what we, we don't want socialism. We don't want what you're peddling and we're awake and we understand what you're offering and we're not interested. Thank you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I got to tell you, I think the, I think the, public is seeing this now i do disagree with rick i think this is the first time since may i disagree with you rick um i i don't believe that the the independence of the only thinkers i think the three of us are thinkers (laughs) 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 no i i would say that of those who are persuadable or or those who the dems are trying to target they really have we're not there we're not on that yeah exactly the hens are coming home to roost because they have really built They've built a, a sand castle. They just can't stand it. They've, they've counted on their constituency's ignorance and blind following, right. you know, blind loyalty. <laughs> blind. And now they're trying to go after uh, uh, the, the one group that they need to persuade. And they've, they've got a weak muscle. They don't know how to make a good case because they're just used to people following in lockstep. They're not used to their people thinking and, and having to uh, you know, do critical thinking. And, and now they're really coming up against independents who are who are looking at them scratching their head going why, why would i why would i trust that you're telling me the truth you, you guys are clearly spinning everything well well I'm, I'm a big uh i like the tv the old tv show the office and on there michael scott made a comment to his people he says what you need to do folks is understand that i know what's happening you need to just follow me blindly <laughs> that's right that's right that's right <laughs> hey i wanted to, i wanted to ask a little bit about the uh <laughs> what, yeah, that is funny. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about the uh, the FBI employee that was accused of altering FISA docs. Annette, is this a big surprise to you, Annette? I don't think I don't think we've ever talked about corruption on the FISA warrants, Annette, here on the point and on the Watchmen, have we, Annette? Probably not that often, 30, 50 <laughs> times, I guess. I don't know. We, we certainly covered that quite a bit. Um <laughs> And obviously now with good reason, um, <laughs> with good you know, reason. it's obvious <laughs> with good reason that we, uh, we brought that up. Um, you know, it, it's, it's amazing to me, but it's, it's sad. It, yeah, it yeah. really is because I remember um, I was thinking back about my, my past and kind of thinking about different life-changing events. And for me, one of those was going to Washington, D.C. as a young, a young girl um, in the Girl Scouts. And one of the places we went was the FBI building. We got to see a tour of, you know, kind of out the, on the outside and uh, saw some of the really cool things that they did there and that kind of thing. And I remember thinking, you know, this place is amazing. And I always had such a, a because we have a long history in our family of, of um, service in the military. My husband's family is services, uh, law enforcement, things like that as well. Um, I remember thinking, you know, this is just amazing. You know, it just made me so proud to think of, of the FBI and what a wonderful job they've done. And now to see where, unfortunately, certain people have tarnished such a great organization. And, you know, it, it really kind of breaks my heart in a way because it, I know there's other people out there like me that are like, what happened? You know, how did this happen that, we, that it became so politicized? that the idea of changing documents um, 
would even enter someone's mind. It's, it's mind-blowing. You know, it's, oh, it's mind yeah, it just, it, it totally just shocked me. Uh, it really did. It didn't surprise me, sadly, because of the reports that we've heard for and quite a while been, now. We've, about been, we've been all over this for the last, abuse. we've been on this for, well, for a year. <laughs> we've yeah. been on this show, yeah. we, we, I think this is like our 60th show, and uh, we've been on this for 55 of the 60 shows. <laughs> I mean, like, we've been calling this, <laughs> we've been calling this every time we talk. I mean. There is corruption in the deep state, and yes, oh, they were—they did alter the uh, FISA docs. Whoa, what a surprise! Uh, look, the Washington Post reported that the Justice Department Inspector General found evidence that an FBI employee who had rank—now they're trying to make this some schmucky employee, but he's not. This guy had rank in the FBI chain of command, and he—and he altered documents connected to the court-approved surveillance on Carter Page, who was a former Trump campaign advisor, and. Uh, also, and again, this has been con- concluded that the uh, conduct that did not affect the overall validity of the surveillance application, but they significantly altered this thing. And we don't know exactly what was changed, but we know it was altered. And we know that this guy worked for Peter Strzok. We know that. So it does seem that there's perhaps the pitch. That they're tr- there, there's something that's going to happen, and they're going to unravel this a little bit, uh, Rick. Uh, I think the threads are starting to come unraveled. But unfortunately, and like we talked about on our earlier show, the point, I, the Durham report is what I think you're going to get more meat out of. I'm not sure the IG, but no. we'll see. We'll see. I know Trump well, I was all excited about this thing dropping. So, Yeah, I think, that, I think where the value of the IG report is, again, and I, I agree with you, I don't think we should overemphasize or, or play up the IG report because it's going to be pretty dry. IG reports typically are pretty dry, and it's going to be underwhelming. But I'll tell you, folks, where it fits in is that, the findings that they have with these F- with this uh, FBI agent and uh, some possible more findings, this is the thread on the sweater that, that then allows Durham Bar Durham's investigation to to uh, pick up more even more momentum. And you know these lower people are going to get caught in the net and they're going to flip like fish on the higher ups. And that's the whole goal here. So you know be, just be aware that this is the beginning. This is very deliberate. It's very methodical. It's, it's like surgery. They're they're they know exactly where to cut, and, and they're going to go in, and they're going to, they're going to get the information they need. Um, and like I said, this will, this will help uh, Barr's investigation. I'll tell you, though, remember this name, because this is not a household name. Unless you're a, a junkie like me and you follow this, it's not something most people know. But uh, Svetlana Lakova was a, was a woman who was accused of being a Russian agent and seducing Michael Flynn. Remember how Michael Flynn was drugged through the mud and he was used to get to Trump. Wow. Uh, Lakova was a grad student at Columbia who was um, introduced to Flynn at a dinner, and she was explaining a thesis that she had written on um, uh, something with uh, with Russian history, and um, she was introduced there, and Later on, there was a gentleman by the name of Stefan Helper, again from Colombia, who is now been found out to be on the payroll of the Defense Department with some kind of a slush fund that they know is tied to the intelligence agencies. And basically, he's a professor at Cambridge who, who does the bidding and, and basically reports back to them for money. And he's the one that really cooperated in trying to uh, connect this woman to Flynn so they could connect Flynn to Russia and, and then connect Flynn to Trump and Russia. And, you know, this, and by the way, this is upstream from the dossier folks. In other words, this is still going back to the very thing that Barr is trying to get to, which is the origins 
of the dossier that started the election. So just remember this, because these are the types of things that bars swinging upstream to, to, uh, to get. And there's not, obviously the media is going to ignore it. But just remember, you heard it here first on The Watchman with Clay. And it's going to be one of those things that we're going to unravel even further. We're going to have, oh, my gosh, we're going to have, what, another three years worth of material, Clay, just on the, <laughs> on the Durham report by the time it comes out. But uh, th- these are the types of things that you should be watching for because they're, they're, there's going to be a, a point at which the, the scales tip. That's and right. the Dems are going to be on their heels, and it, it's going to be very damaging. Well, I think from what I've heard, also too, they're uh, the the way they're the way they're unpacking this uh, that I've seen is they're they're making it look like that the people that were guilty of submitting these FISA docs are saying what spying on Trump? We weren't spying on Trump. We were we were trying to get information on on Carter Page and, and Papadopoulos. We weren't spying on Trump. So now they're trying to say, uh, well, we weren't doing exactly what they said they've been doing all these years, So, which I think is very compelling as well. But, I mean, look, folks, we're going to see this unpacked, and it's going to – the truth is going to come out. And uh, I, I just think this is a very strong indictment on the condition of these people, the people that want to run this country, okay? I mean, you're, you're talking about the presumption of innocence out the door – and in the door comes the presumption of guilt. And then that's just bad. Yep. I mean, duty, sensibility, justice, fair play, all out the window. These people, and they're still at it. They're trying to impeach our president. But the public is going to have really quick, Yeah, go ahead. You know, just on the heels of what you're saying there, I would, I would highly encourage your listeners, go read the Sixth Amendment tonight. Just based on what Clay said alone. Look at how due process is being railroaded. Look at how our president is being denied uh, his constitutional rights and being able to face his accusers. I mean, just go read the Sixth Amendment alone. You don't have to read anything else. Just read the Sixth Amendment and look how much it's being trampled by the people who claim that, uh, that the president is, uh, needs to be impeached because he's, he's, uh, he's done an aggrievous act against the Constitution, which, by the way, they can't cite <laughs> what part of the Constitution. That's right. But just read the Sixth Amendment alone and look how they have trampled it with, with these impeachment inquiries. It's unbelievable, and it's sad. But we are out of time. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Annette, for being with us. Thank you, our listeners, for being with us. Thank you for tuning in live on the YouTube podcast as well as listening to us live on the radio. Uh, some of our audience listens to, the live, listens to us live by clicking the Listen Live button during normal airtime. Now we have people going to podcasts on YouTube, which is really neat. And, uh, of course, some of us, some of our listening audience listens to us while in the listening area. However you choose to listen to us or view us now, we appreciate it truly. Thank you very much for being with us today. From Annette and from Rick, I'm Clay Brees. See you next week. Goodbye for now.